All right, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4 as we continue our series through the book of Hebrews. And we'll be looking at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 this morning. If you're using one of the Bibles that we provide underneath the chair in front of you, I believe it's on page 1278. And if you are a kid who's tracking the word of the day, it's any form of the word pray, pray, prayer, praying, any, any one of those. Hear now God's holy, true, and life-giving word from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for your word and for the way you are speaking to us even now as your spirit applies your written word to our hungry hearts. And we do pray that you would help us through your spirit to see the glory and majesty of the Lord Jesus in this passage that we would see more of what it means that he is our high priest and why it is because of him that we can speak directly to you right now and know that you are listening and that you are responding with mercy and grace. So be with us now. Help us as we worship you through the preached word to grow in faith and to know you more and to be more equipped to continue to make disciples of our neighbors and of the nations. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. A couple of weeks ago now, one of the families in our church experienced something pretty scary. There was a fire right behind their house. The wife saw the fires early in the morning, and the husband was not home, but he was nearby. So she called, and he basically began to run home, and he could even see the fire as he's approaching his home, is a pretty big fire. And so it's right behind their house. All that separated their house from this blaze was uh, this kind of white plastic fence in their backyard. So this man and his wife and a friend of theirs grabbed their fire or their, um, their garden hoses and started spraying water over this fence and in hopes that it would help somewhat. So there's all this water is going over the fence onto where this fire was, this old shed, abandoned shed that had caught fire. And pretty soon the the plastic fence melts and kind of reveals that this fire is really, really big and that the water that was going over the fence onto it wasn't doing a whole lot, kind of like shooting a BB at a freight train. Um, So they dropped the hoses and they went out in the front where a lot of people in the neighborhood had, had gathered And they felt completely helpless. Here's this fire moving closer and closer to their home. There's nothing they can do about it. 
And then they heard that sweet sound of sirens and the fire trucks approaching. And sure enough, the fire trucks arrive and the firefighters get out and they bring their uh, massive hoses and they unleash a flood of water onto this shed and it ends up putting out the fire and everything is okay. Now, they lost the fence, but but they their home was saved. You know, it's it's interesting that, you know, you know that feeling, right, where you f- realize something is completely out of your control. There's, there's nothing you can do. You need help. That's how they were feeling at that moment. And as we've been walking through the book of Hebrews, one of the things that we have seen is the critical importance of really living by faith. That saving faith is persevering faith. Faith that continues to persevere, continues to trust in Jesus as we go through all of the different aspects of our life. And if we really think about the enormity of that, if we really realize how big it is that we're called to live by faith day in and day out, if we're honest, then our hearts should feel a need for help. The reality that I can't do this on my own. I need help to live by faith. And that's what's so sweet about these verses in these Verses, we hear the sweet sound of, of the help that we have to live by faith in Christ as he is our great high priest. So that's what we'll be talking about this morning. As the great high priest of God's people, Jesus provides the help we need to persevere in faith, to continue to live by faith day in and day out. And so we'll talk about that by looking at intercession. We'll talk about what intercession is talk about empathy, his empathy for us, and prayer. Intercession, empathy, and prayer if you're making an outline. So let's talk about intercession. Look at verse 14 because what we're seeing here, what the author is telling us is that as our great high priest, Jesus is in the presence of God the Father interceding for us right now. That's what he's doing right now. Jesus is interceding for us in the presence of God the Father. Look at 14. He says, since then we have... A great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now, this is interesting because this is the third time that we've seen him use that word hold, hold fast our confidence, hold fast our confession firm to the end. And here he's telling us how we are able to hold fast. How are we able to hold on to Christ by faith throughout our whole life? Well, because we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. We have Jesus as our high priest representing us in the presence of the Father. Now, what does it mean by high priest? See, the original audience, again, they were Hebrew Christians. They were very, very familiar with the Old Testament. And so when they hear high priest, they're thinking about the one person in the nation of Israel who was the representative of the people before God, the the high priest. And the high priest was the only one who was allowed once a year to go into the deepest part of the temple where God said he would be, where he would actually be present. And the high priest would go once a year all the way into that third part, that deepest part of the temple called the Holy of Holies. He would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. He would pray for the people. He would intercede for the people. And it was really through him then that they were able to have this relationship with God. They needed their high priest. And what the author here is saying is that Jesus is the great high priest, 
the true and better high priest whom all the other high priests pointed to. And that Jesus has not only gone into the temple like the normal priests, but he's actually gone into the presence of God in heavens. He's passed through the heavens. That's what he's saying there in verse 14. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. And that means that Jesus right now is in the presence of God the Father interceding for us. Think about, we've already seen this a little bit in chapter 1 where the author told us that he, after dying on the cross to give us purification for our sins, he rose and was exalted on high. He tells us that by saying that he was seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And that's where he is physically. Jesus is in the presence of God the Father interceding for us. And so what does it mean to be interceding? It means he's representing us. It means he's praying for us. This is why we can hold fast. Because we have this high priest who's praying for us. I love uh, Robert Murray McShane one time said this. If I, could hear Christ, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. And that's true. He's with the Father Interceding for us, praying for us. Now let's talk a little bit about what does it mean to have Christ praying for us. Because he actually shows us that in the Gospels. We have a moment where we see the result of Christ praying for someone. If you want to turn there, you can to Luke 22. Luke 22, we're going to look at verses 31 and 32 real quick. But it's really powerful because you're probably familiar with the story of Peter's denial of Jesus. He he continued three times. He denied that he even knew Jesus. So major failure of faith. Right. But you also know we know from the gospel accounts that Peter was reconciled to Jesus. So ultimately his he did persevere in faith. And what's so powerful about this is in Luke's gospel. We see that Jesus said this was going to happen and why in the end ultimately everything would work out. So this is Jesus speaking to Simon Peter. And here's what he says in Luke 22 31. And 32, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. What a powerful picture for you and I. To see that although Peter did experience those failures. At the same time, ultimately, his faith prevails. He perseveres. Not because Peter's so great, but because of the greatness of our great high priest who prayed for him and who is also praying for you and praying for me as we continue to trust him. This is why we can hold fast. Because he is praying for us. It's kind of like, you know... The grip of a child on their mom or dad when they're getting a piggyback ride. You know, have you ever given somebody a piggyback ride? As long as they're smaller than you. What happens, right? The child climbs up on the back of the mom or the dad and wraps their arms around the neck. uh, Choking them sometimes. Okay. But is, is that what's really holding the child? Is that what is keeping this child safe? That little grip of the child? No, it's the big strong arms of the mom or the dad 
wrapped around the legs of the child and clasped in the back. That's what's really holding them there. And this is the picture that we want to see in having a great high priest. Yes, we hold fast. But the reason we can is because, in a greater sense, our great high priest is holding on to us through interceding for us, representing us before the Father, even praying for us. And so as we think about this enormous challenge of living by faith day to day, we have to remember that the one through whom God created the world, the one who holds the universe together by the word of his power, as we saw in chapter 1, is the one who is holding on to us through his intercession for us. So, so whether we're thinking about just living by faith in general and how challenging that is, or whether you're facing some specific trial or temptation... Believe deeply that you have a great high priest who's interceding for you. He's hanging on to you. In the same way that God did not leave our salvation up to us, he has also not left our perseverance up to us. We are being held fast by our great high priest, who, by the way, has empathy for us, really, really, truly connects with how we feel as we struggle to live by faith. Let's talk about empathy. Look at verse 15. So this helps us understand what kind of great high priest that we have. And we have a great high priest who knows what we're going through. That's what he's telling us. We have a great high priest who knows how we're feeling, what it feels like to struggle and to fight to live by faith. Look at verse 15. He says, For we do not have a great high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Now, you know, he uses a double negative here because in Greek grammar that would emphasize something. You know, when we're in modern English, we think double negatives are a no-no. Did you catch it? That didn't work in the first server either. Um... So we might emphasize something by, by looking at it more positively. But that's what he's doing. He's, he's emphasizing this. Like he really wants us to get this. So positively, he's saying we do have a great high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And by weaknesses, he's talking about our inability to live perfectly according to God's law. That's our weakness. It's a moral weakness. We, we, do, we are not able to live according to God's law perfectly. Now, Jesus did live according to God's law perfectly. That is explicitly what the author is telling us. But what he's also telling us, us is, even though Jesus never sinned, he still knows how it feels for us to struggle. He still knows what it feels like to be battling to live by faith. And that's because of his Humanity. He is truly God, but he is also still truly human. One author says that the sympathy of Christ, the exalted high priest, is not simply the compassion of one who regards suffering from without, but the feeling of one who enters into the suffering and makes it his own. And see, that's why a lot of the scholars, when they're looking at this passage, they think we should use the word empathy instead of sympathy. The Greek word is sympatheo which sounds a lot like sympathy, and it is. But the way we use sympathy today, we usually say it meaning, I feel bad for you. That's sympathy, right? I feel bad for you. But empathy is different. Empathy is saying, I feel bad with you. I am 
connecting with something that's in me so that I can really feel more of what you're feeling so that that can drive connection between you and me. That's empathy. And that's the word that they think we should use here to drive that reality that he truly knows what we're feeling. Think about chapter 2, verse 17. The author has stressed before the importance of really knowing the true humanity of Christ. In 2.17, he said, Therefore, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. One author says, basically what we need to understand here is that Jesus' transcendence makes no difference on his humanity. The fact that he is truly God does not change that he is truly human, feeling what we feel. And that in his life he felt all the different temptations that we feel. And he experienced much greater temptation than we ever did. I mean, his, the risk of him giving in to temptation is far greater than you or an I. Because if he had given in to temptation, all would be lost. We would all be lost. And so he's experienced even greater temptation. And if he knows the greatest of temptation, which we would say is his facing the cross, the temptation to not go to the cross, rather, that's the greatest temptation imaginable. And he persevered through that. So if he knows the greatest possible weight of temptation, then he knows that much significantly smaller type of temptation that we face. He really does. He really does connect with how hard it is for us to live by faith. My wife, uh, her grandmother, has been teaching piano lessons for decades. And um, so growing up, when Hannah would go to her grandmother's house, uh, in their front room, it's a nice, simple little house, but in their front room, there was always two grand pianos. Two beautiful grand pianos on which she would teach piano lessons. There's a really interesting phenomenon with pianos. If there's two pianos in a room, it's called sympathetic resonance. Sympathetic resonance. And what that means basically is if you were to strike middle C on one of those pianos, the string for middle C would begin to vibrate. Guess what happens to the string for middle C on the other piano? starts to vibrate along with it. That's called sympathetic resonance. And what we're seeing here is you have to understand, we don't have a great high priest who when our heart is struck a certain way is not feeling anything, but rather he has sort of a sympathetic resonance of the heart. So when you and I are feeling tempted to just give up on God and this whole faith thing and our heart is shaken away, he can feel that with us. When you and I are struggling to do the right thing for our family or maybe at work or at school. He can feel that right with us. He knows what that feels like. When we're struggling, when we're engaged with or when we're struggling because we feel the temptation to engage in some sort of inappropriate sexual activity or something like that. And it's so difficult. And our heart is just shaking. He can feel that along with us because we do not have a great high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet, praise the Lord, without sin. Now, here's why this is so important. When we're struggling, when we need help, 
you know and I know that we're far more likely to seek help from somebody who we are sure knows how we feel than we would be pursuing help from someone that we don't think knows how we feel. There's something really powerful and connective when we're talking with someone who knows, really knows how we feel. That's what God is speaking to us through his word this morning, that our great high priest knows how we're feeling. We can trust him. We can know that he knows how we feel. He doesn't feel bad for us. He feels it with us. He empathizes with us. And, and, then, and when we get that, that causes us to drive, or drives us to run to him in prayer. That we would go to him for our help, which is exactly what verse 16 is about. So as we understand that Christ is our great high priest interceding for us and that as our great high priest, he totally understands and feels what we're feeling. Thirdly, verse 16 is telling us that as our great high priest, Jesus provides access to God and freedom to approach him in prayer continually. That's ultimately what verse 16 is about. This freedom we have to boldly approach God in prayer. Take a look. Verse 16. Since we have a great high priest, since he is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, Uh, All the different scholars will say that this is clearly a reference to prayer. One author says, Coming to the throne of grace means to come to God in prayer on the basis of Christ's high priestly ministry, that is, his propitiating sacrifice and present intercession. In other words, what he's saying is that coming to the throne of grace is coming, praying, talking to God, Because Jesus has paid our debt of sin on the cross, which we've received that through faith, and because he is actively, presently interceding for us. What's interesting is that word confidence, it literally means free speech. That type of confidence, that we can say whatever it is, is on our hearts. We can be completely honest with God. The reconciliation we have with God through faith in Christ, is that powerful that we can speak freely. And even when we don't know what to say, we could talk a lot about how sometimes we don't even know what to say when we approach God in prayer. Paul tells us in Romans 8.26 that the Spirit helps us in that weakness. He says, For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So even when we don't even know what to say, we can still approach God and the Holy Spirit will help us. To pray. So as we approach him then, because we know he's interceding for us, we know he knows how we feel, we have the sweet promise of receiving mercy and finding grace to help. Receiving mercy, receiving forgiveness for our failures, right? That's what mercy really is about, that we need forgiveness for our failures. And this is something that should kind of form a rock-solid foundation in our heart of the belief that if we have faith in Christ, then whenever we ask God to forgive us, we are indeed forgiven. John Calvin says about this, 
He says this phrase that we may receive mercy contains this most precious, pleasing teaching that all those who rely on the advocacy of Christ and pray to God will be certain of receiving mercy. We need that to strengthen us. We need that reminder in our prayer life that we really have received mercy. We really have been truly forgiven and that we're not asking God for forgiveness because of our merit, but because of his. That we deserve forgiveness because he has earned it for us and that it's guaranteed to us through faith. And why that's so important is because when we also are realizing and believing deep down that God is not holding our sins against us because he held them against Christ instead. That leads us to freely ask for the help that we need. I mean, maybe you felt that way where you're like, I really need help right now, but God's not going to help me because I blew it last week in this certain situation. And this says, no, don't, don't, don't think like that. Know that when we come to God, we receive mercy. And because of Christ, we can also expect and ask for grace to help in time of Need. So not only do we receive mercy, that is forgiveness for all of our failures, but we receive grace, that's strength for our struggles, forgiveness for our mercy and strength for our struggles. That's what we receive as we approach God boldly in prayer daily. And the more that we engage in prayer, the more we experience that, the more we experience the beauty of what Christ has secured for us on the cross. And now in his present intercession for us. And so what this leads us to do is to really think about our prayer life, right? Nobody ever wants to be asked about their prayer life. But think about it this way. This is not beating up on one another saying we, we ought to be praying more. This is saying, look at what we have in prayer. Look at what we experience through a life of prayer. This is such a sweet invitation and call for us to approach our God daily. Daily and often. And I'm repenting of of prayerlessness and maybe you you join me in that. Just like last week we were talking about being in the Word more. Now we can talk about being in prayer more. You know, the the thing that really stung as I was thinking about this and and, in prayer about this is that, you know, your prayerlessness is always a sign of your self-reliance. So the, the less you're praying, the more you are relying on yourself. And the more that we're spending time in real honest prayer, that shows that we really are relying on our faithful high priest. And so I want to call you and myself to more prayer, to be more consistent in drawing near to God confidently and receiving mercy and finding grace. And so I think it's two things, two things if we want to get real practical. Two things for this to help us grow in our in our walk as far as prayer is concerned. We need faith and salts. Faith and salts. Not faith insults. Faith and salts. Okay, let me explain what I mean. Um, Richard Phillips says this. This is the key to prayer. To praying often. To praying openly. To praying boldly and freely and with gladness of heart. To know that we come clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, invited by his own saving ministry, purchased by his precious blood, and anticipated by his sympathetic intercession. This is the secret to lively, happy prayer. That's faith. If we really want a good, healthy, transformative prayer life, it is 
based on believing what we see here about Jesus as our great high priest. And then salts. Salts, uh, there's a few things that I have found personally that have been recommended to me and I have found personally to really help with my prayer life, each starting with one of the, the letters in the word salts, like salts and peppers, if you're listening online. Um, salt. So S for spot. Oftentimes, if you have a, a, a certain spot that you return to regularly when, when you're going to pray, that can be very helpful. Now, you can pray anywhere, anytime you want, right? That's one of the big things that we're talking about here. But sometimes it can be helpful if you have a normal meeting place with God. So maybe a spot. Number two, accountability. I promise you, you want to grow in anything, just ask somebody to help you grow in it. You know, just invite somebody in so that they will ask you and check in with you, not to beat up on you, but to encourage you. Okay. And I'm going to go ahead and ask all y'all to be my accountability partners. I want to go ahead and ask me next Sunday, if you see me, if I'm here, um, no, I'll be here. You can ask me, how did your prayer life go this week? And, and we'll see, but I'm going to I'm going to ask you to go ahead and hold me accountable. And I, cause I know that that helps me do what I want to do. Okay. And Lord willing, I will have been greatly blessed by a week of more prayer than normal. Um, a spot, some accountability. Number three, a list. And sometimes it can be really helpful to have some sort of list. A lot of times people say they struggle in prayer because they don't know what to pray for. And I want to encourage you to write down a bunch of things that you might want to pray for and take those with you. And pray about those things. Pray through the scriptures. As you read the scriptures, pray about the things that come to your heart and to your mind. One of the things you can also do in making a list is you can use Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer, as a pattern. In fact, some people refer to the Lord's prayer as as the Lord's patterned prayer. Because it really gives us a pattern for praying. Think about it. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we can pray about God's name being glorified in our neighborhood, in our country, all the way to the nations. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can make a list of the ways in which we see God's will not being done around us or in our city or in the world, and we can pray and ask him to bring his kingdom for his will to be done. Give us this day our daily bread. We can simply make a list of what we need that day. And ask him to provide. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Remember, every time we approach him in prayer, we have to remember that we're, we're, we receive mercy. We receive forgiveness, which empowers us to turn around and forgive others. Not only do we receive mercy, but we find grace to help, right? So the next part of the Lord's Prayer, and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we can pray about our temptations. We can be honest. Remember, We can come confidently acknowledging what we're feeling tempted to do and ask God for grace and the help that we need to fight against those desires. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So you can use the Lord's Prayer as a pattern to build and and add all these different things that are happening right now in your life. So having a spot to pray, having somebody hold you accountable, having a list, time. This is a big one. You know, people always often say, I really just don't have time to pray. Okay, Facebook is proof you have time to pray. 
Okay? And I do too. Making it a priority is making time for it, setting a specific time, honoring that time. Um, and then S is for support. Good resources. Uh, I've benefited from Paul Miller's book, A Praying Life, and uh, a much older book, but really great book, Pray With Your Eyes Open by Richard Pratt. There's a lot of good books on prayer out there. One time, I remember um, Mike Osborne said many years ago that it's good and healthy for us to try to read one book on prayer every year because it just helps stimulate that prayer life. And so I think that's good advice. So we need to believe these things and then we need to act upon them because God really wants us to know that he wants to meet our needs. He wants to be reminding us of our forgiveness. He wants to give us grace. But he wants us to come to him, that we would pursue him to get these things that we need. So as we have what we need to live a life of persevering faith, we always know that everything we needed came from him and not from us so that he gets all the glory and all the praise. You know, I was thinking about this the other day because um, my son was shooting cans with a BB gun. It does not get more Minnesotan than that, okay? He's shooting cans with a BB gun. And he ended up kind of intuitively recognizing that it was kind of hard uh, because the gun, the BB gun's kind of big and he's not real big yet. And he was kind of recognizing that it was kind of a challenge to hold on to the gun. He, and he intuitively said, Dad, is it okay if I kneel? Because I think it would be easier for me. And I said, yeah, you can kneel. And so he knelt down and he continued to shoot. And then uh, I said, you know what? Sometimes people lay down on the ground. And as they're all laid out, it's much easier to aim and shoot and hit your target. And so he lays down on the ground and he's aiming up these cans. Ping, ping. And it just kind of hit me like this is what a, what a sweet picture of offloading weight to make that challenge of aiming and hitting a target easier. And see, when we come to God in prayer remembering that we receive mercy, it, it offloads the weight of the guilt that we carry, the shame that we carry. And as we come to Him in prayer remembering that He, we find grace to help in time of need it's like we're we're offloading the weight of our struggles onto a much more solid firm foundation the ground itself or in our case upon god himself and with our the weight of our sin off of us and the weight of the responsibility to do what's right off of us because god has taken it upon himself then we can see clearer we can aim and we're still going to miss but sometimes we'll hit it We'll hit that target and we can turn back and give him all the praise and all the glory because he's the one who's provided that strength. So join me and let's be a church more fervent in prayer, more face-to-face with that mercy we receive and the grace we find to help in our time of need. Always turning back to give him all the glory and all the praise. Let's pray. Father in heaven, many of us uh, do acknowledge that we can and should be praying more and more often. And I pray that you'd help us not only to 
see why you want us to pray for us. You want that for us. Not only that we would see why we want to pray, but also that we need to be gracious to ourselves as you are so gracious with us. But we want to grow, Lord. We want to pursue you more in prayer. We want to take full advantage of the fact that we have a great high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. That we have our great high priest interceding for us, praying for us even now. So that we live this life of faith, relying on you, offloading the weight of our sin and receiving that grace and help in our time of need. So you get all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.